contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Brought to you by Bet Online. It's got the biggest names, biggest teams, biggest moments. It's all happening. October is huge. You've got the Major League Baseball playoffs now, Division Series. You've got NFL football, college football. Bet Online AG is your online sportsbook experts, exclusive partner of the Podcast One Sportsnet, which I'm part of, which this podcast is part of. Use promo code PODCAST1, you get a 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag. This week, we're going to have a special Brant's Rants version of the Business of Sports podcast. So much to talk about. This is a key time NFL business-wise. Why? Because we're in the heart of NFL meetings. Every year, about mid-season, I know we're a little bit before mid-season, the NFL owners gather. It's their one-time meeting. They also meet in early December. They get together, talk about the season. I'll talk about the issues surrounding that, whether it's ratings, whether it's cross-ownership, all the things coming up, London, etc., coming up during this podcast, uh, during this meeting, excuse me. What's going on beyond that? I want to have a few words about Nick Bosa coming out, not even finishing his year at Ohio State, the business of the NFL involved there, and we'll get to other issues as well. So the Brands Rants version is underway on this week on the Business of Sports podcast. NFL meetings, before I even get to the business at hand, we've lost one of the NFL owners, the richest owner by far, the richest owner in sports, and he owned teams in two sports, Seattle Seahawks and Portland Trailblazers. His name was, unfortunately, Paul Allen. Paul Allen passed away this week. I got to see Paul Allen in action, again, co-founder of Microsoft with Bill Gates, at NFL meetings, like the one they're having this week. And I was always impressed by him. Listen, this was a guy who is clearly the richest man in the room, by far, in a room with billionaires. And he would sit back and listen, mostly. Well, a lot of owners want to do a lot of bluster, a lot of talk. You can figure out who those owners are. Paul Allen listened, and he sort of sat back with his hand on his chin, and it always impressed me, or I guess uh, had an impression on me, that he would dress. He would wear jeans. He would wear untucked flannel shirt apropos to the Pacific Northwest where he was from, and he would wear a park a lot, even when it wasn't really cold outside, but maybe the room was cold with air conditioning. I always saw him kind of in a parka, even in the room, so he'd sit in that wardrobe hand on his chin, kind of listening. So he rarely spoke. But when he did, it was gold. When he did, it was pure wisdom. When he did, there would be something said that kind of cut through it all. And then you sort of see like, yeah, this is a clear thinker, an analytical thinker that makes a difference, that says things that are insightful beyond what we even think of. And you sort of come up with, yeah, okay, that's how he's one of the richest men in the world and the richest man in the room. So just a word, Paul Allen. The Seahawks' ownership obviously will go through changes. It's already been stated uh, in the owners' meetings this week that the clear intention, and that usually means it will happen, is to keep the franchise, of course, in Seattle. And that will happen. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't happen. So kudos to Paul Allen. As to the business at hand, speaking of Paul Allen and cross-ownership, This is something that's been going on in the NFL a while. It's kind of an archaic rule. They will not allow 
owners of NFL teams to have majority ownership in another sport, which sort of raises the question in my mind, I don't even know the answer, how Paul Allen was allowed to do this. Maybe there was an exception made. Well, there's no need for any more exceptions. The NFL is scrapping that rule. And again, that is a rule that was that was made at a time when franchise values for the NFL were 100 to $2 million, $200 million. Now they're $2 billion plus for each franchise. So the obvious reason for all of this is there aren't a lot of billionaires in this pool of people wanting to buy NFL teams. We saw the Carolina Panthers go for sale and for ownership this summer where Jerry Richardson was kind of forced to sell after some questionable conduct came out about towards women and towards minorities. And that sale didn't produce a lot of bidders. Now, they got a good price, $2.25 billion from David Tepper. But clearly, this is a reaction to the most recent franchise sale in Carolina, where the NFL said, wow, we don't have the number of suitors, which of course leads to bidding and options and higher prices, that we thought we did. One of the reasons is we don't allow cross-ownership. So the pool of bidders from NBA or, or Major League Baseball teams or hockey teams, those owners were not among the mix because of cross-ownership problems. Now, maybe that wasn't even the reason. But it was time for the NFL with the reality of the economics of franchises, the soaring values of these NFL franchises, to allow this to happen. And it's good for the NFL and it's good for the other sports leagues because it's maybe even more good reciprocally because look at the NBA and NHL and Major League Baseball now because now they can include NFL owners in their pool of potential bidders and buyers. So notwithstanding what uh, Paul Allen had been able to achieve, notwithstanding Stan Kroenke, the second richest owner, having interests in the Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets, as well as the St. Louis, now L.A. Rams, that rule scrapped. So any of these owners, you don't need exceptions, whatever they had, whatever write-in rules that they had to get this done. And that is one thing coming out of these meetings, which again, an archaic rule at a different time and place with a totally different economic situation. Makes sense, cross-ownership gone. Another thing coming out of the meetings... There's word from ESPN that a big topic of these meetings is the Chargers. We're having trouble getting PSL sales with the new stadium in L.A. No such problem with the Rams, an exciting team that kind of got first dibs on the market with Stan Kroenke. Well, the redheaded stepsister of this agreement has been the Chargers, the poor Chargers, where they abandoned San Diego. They took an option to move to L.A., they're a tenant in the L.A. stadium, all because they couldn't come up with a stadium solution in San Diego, which solution is a euphemism for public officials, municipalities, city of San Diego leaders paying more for a stadium. They couldn't come up with it. The Spanos family and, again, the senior Spanos, Alex Spanos, has passed away as well. Uh, rest in peace to him, his family, of course, keeping ownership with the team, Dean Spanos and his sons, John and JR. But the word is they're having trouble selling. So initial estimates of $400 million have been revised to $150 million in PSL. They're a good team as well. They're an exciting young team, as the Rams, maybe not quite as exciting or quite as good now, but who knows in the future. And we'll see what happens there. But the reality of the economic situation in L.A. is coming true 
where maybe even L.A. can't support the way the NFL thought it would, two franchises, albeit good ones, exciting teams, the way it thought it would. Rams, not going to have a problem. The stepsister in all of this is the Chargers. Now, they had options. They wanted a stadium down in Carson with the Raiders. That didn't work out. The LA uh, NFL awarded rights to Kroenke in Inglewood, but that Inglewood stadium is to be home of the Rams and Chargers. Chargers having trouble with PSLs. Another thing to come out of it, you know, there is some momentum building towards London. We have seen games gone go from one to two to three to four. Now we have marquee teams going over there. You have a Jacksonville-Philadelphia game coming up, which, again, you usually don't see that quality of matchup. And what I've always thought is, yeah, I mean, this thing could go to a home schedule in London where you have not a team, not a team, but eight games, a home schedule. And you're filtering now through three stadiums. There are stadiums in Tottenham, Twickenham, and Wembley. And yes, you could do that, where you can make it competitively balanced, too, where you have 16 teams a year. Every team goes over there every other year. That could happen. What we're hearing more is maybe even a team. Now, Jacksonville is always the one mentioned. Shad Khan had an option to buy Wembley, has recently pulled out of that, but I don't know if that affects it. Jacksonville pounced on the opportunity to go to London right when it started, has been going there every year. Another game coming up, as I said, against Philadelphia, October 28th. So this is happening for Jacksonville. Could they be the team over there? Who knows? I'm sure a lot of people suspect they would be the leader in the clubhouse should a franchise move to Jacksonville. But yes, there is some momentum for an actual team in London. Now, I know what you're saying. What about logistics? What about travel? What about all these things? Well, the travel could be worked out. You know, the NFL is not traveling like teams are not traveling like you and I travel. They travel on private charters. They get the rest they need. They stay in first-class hotels. As far as coming to the States, I don't know, teams could take three, four, uh, four-week road trips, maybe, you know, instead of coming over just one week at a time. So those are the things that can be handled. The bigger issue to me is the player side, because with taxes, with compensation, with living, with standards of care over there, uh, it's not worse, just different. So I think this has to be a bargaining issue where 2021, we have a new CBA, that becomes another issue, how to deal with a team in London. Because there's no way to answer that with the current CBA, which expires, as I said, in 2021. So we'll see where that goes. I think London is a reality uh, beyond what it is now. Either a home schedule filtered among three stadiums, 16 teams a year, eight games. Every other year, team goes, the team has to play there. Or an actual team there, but that's going to be after collective bargaining and the players work out how to deal with taxes, what's the salary cap situation for a team over there, what's the situation when injury replacements, what allowances are made for the distance. And now word from Simply Safe. Simply Safe Home Security is the best home security system. I'm a big fan. It's ready for anything. If a storm takes out your power, it's ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, it's ready. If somehow they destroy your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will get you the help you need. Could be overkill. You don't even need all this stuff, but that's what makes Simply Safe the best home security system there is. It's always ready. Doesn't cost an arm and a leg. You only charge what you use. Fourteen ninety nine a month. No contracts. No hidden fees. I recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. You've got to check it out. So, 
Go to simplysafe.com slash brand. My name, all caps, B-R-A-N-D-T. Simplysafe.com slash brand. Go there today. Protect your home and family. Simplysafe.com slash brand. The best in home security. The other thing coming out of the meetings is the, the, the happy news for the NFL. It is the ratings situation. Ratings are boffo right now. And yes, you can chalk it up to incredible games. I mean, this week alone, I rarely stay up for the night games, but had to stay up for both games. Obviously, my Packers want uh, kept me up for the Monday night game to see the, uh, the legend of Aaron Rodgers continue to grow and the heroics that he had there. Side note there, every time I see that happen with Aaron, I wonder how the NFL would look so different if it didn't happen where I was in that room in 2005 where we took Aaron when we had the most durable quarterback in the history of football. He was the only name left on the board over the first round grade. Had someone not taken one of those top defensive players we wanted that year, or had someone taken Aaron, we wouldn't have been faced with that prospect. And then, of course, as I've told the story many times, on the phone with Aaron, holding him there, at that time it was 15 minutes per pick, holding him there about 12 minutes the poor kid waiting five hours, I had to hold him 12 more minutes just to see if that phone would ring. It was the longest 12 minutes of his life, certainly. And if that phone had rang with some kind of offer for us, for a team to come up, give us two second rounders, whatever it was, they'd have Aaron Rodgers. But that phone didn't ring. Crickets. So we turned the card in, we took him. <laughs> so, in other words, the best player in football, maybe of our generation, fell in our lap. That's how franchise-defining decisions get made. Back to ratings. That was the Rodgers game Monday night and the Mahomes-Brady game Sunday night. Stayed up till the end. I'm probably not alone of people that wouldn't normally stay up for these games. What what theater, what beautiful play. Uh, and we're seeing offense. We're seeing the Rams. We're seeing all kinds of things going on that are contributing to ratings. But hey, listen, this is the reality of the NFL. It is king. And when we had a ratings dip in 2016, you could blame it on the presidential election, the most divisive election ever, and pulling people away from sports to cable news. You can blame it on whatever you want to blame it on for 2017. I'm sure President Trump reveled in any any ratings. Listen, that wasn't there was no Trump effect, as you heard in my last podcast with Matt Wynn of USA Today going through all the different ways there could have been a Trump effect negatively on ratings. There was not. He did an investigative journalism into that. There was not. But here's my point. Slight ratings dip, slight ratings uptick, major ratings uptick. To me, that's all noise that doesn't really affect the bottom line. The bottom line is the bottom line. And going to those dates again where we may have new CBA negotiations, we're going to have media deal negotiations And my feeling is the NFL is going to get massive, staggering, staggering broadcast revenue with or without big ratings. Not big. I'm sorry. Big as always with the NFL. It's king of the programming hill. But with or without an uptick in ratings every year. It's just going to happen. Because really, come on, what else can deliver what the NFL can? No other sport. I mean, they dwarf ratings of other sports. No other programming, even in 2017, which was supposedly a bad year. Sunday night and Thursday night programming, what was the best? Football. Uh, 37 of the top 50 shows on TV in 2017. NFL. NFL. Oh, my God. 
what is going to deliver that kind of bonus to these networks. So even if ratings were down, do we really think in 2020, 2021, one of these networks is going to say, yeah, we're not going to, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, the price is too high. Come on. CBS, NBC, ABC, or CBS, NBC, Fox, ESPN, they know they're not a brand, the same brand they are without the NFL. So give me a break. That was never going to change. The difference now, which is an added benefit for the NFL that is going to result in hundreds of millions of dollars, is digital media. As some of you know, I am a contributor to the Amazon Thursday Night Broadcasts, providing business insights to Hannah, Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer and their play-by-play and their commentary on the game. Amazon. Thursday Night Football is your future, people. We have streaming on Amazon, we have a cable element with the NFL network, and you have a traditional network element with Fox. There you go. The NFL is going to have deals with all these companies. They're going to have deals with NBC, CBS, Fox. They're going to have deals with either or Google, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, Yahoo, Twitch, whatever it is. It's going to happen. And it's not a zero-sum game, as we just talked about with Thursday Night Football. It's not they're going to do one and not the other. So again, this is what's happening. And it's happening with, with this product. The NFL is just too good, too good to turn down. And that would be with or without ratings. So the best news out of these NFL meetings is ratings are on a big uptick. Going swimmingly, the games are good, the young quarterbacks, exciting play, a lot of offense... Yeah, that's all great. But even if it wasn't, even if it was flat from last year or even a slight downward trend, no one's turning away from the NFL. And the NFL is going to negotiate, as it always does, with leverage, with options, getting a huge deal. And before we get to another element of the business of football from the college side, with Nick Bosa turning his back on Ohio State, here's another word from Bet Online. October means one thing. And that's excitement with everything going on. You've got every pitch for the NFL, MLB playoffs, every play of college football, of the NFL. Don't miss out on any of the action. Head over to betonline.ag. Make your online wagers. Take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Use promo code PODCAST1. Receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. That's PODCAST1, 50% sign-up bonus. Again, biggest names, biggest teams, Major League Baseball playoffs, NFL, college football, Bet Online is your online sportsbook expert. Sign up for 50% bonus today. Promo code podcast1. BetOnline.ag. Back to the Branch Rants podcast and where we are with this interesting situation coming out of Ohio State. Nick Bosa, brother of Joey Bosa with the San Diego Chargers, and that's a, a unique twist in itself because Joey Bosa, as you remember, L.A. Chargers. I said San Diego. We already talked about them. As you remember, Joey Bosa has held out the longest of any rookie player in the history of this CBA that started in 2011, trying to get better bonus money. Again, the money in rookie contracts is set, but the bonus payout is not. So it's different for each player, and that's something that Bosa held out with. And we'll see. We see that business sort of acumen of the Bosa family father, of course played in the NFL. Uh, so here we go. Nick Bosa is 
been, has been rehabbing an injury that he suffered week three of the college football season for Ohio State. He has decided, I'm going to forego the season. I'm going to get healthy and prepare for the draft. Makes sense, not a surprise. Here's the thing people are wondering. Why would he do this? Why would he turn his back on his team? This is happening, people. Joey Bosa is going to be a top pick in the draft. He would not be, perhaps, if he came back either too early or not too early and re-injured himself at Ohio State. He is eliminating that possibility. He is eliminating that risk, and ultimately, future earnings are all about risk allocation and risk prevention. So the Bosa family has decided to eliminate the risk of future injury, to rehab, and get ready for the draft. Now, we've talked about this primarily with running backs, whether it was Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, other players that forewent their bowl games, maybe even the last game of the season, maybe the, the, the sort of the conference championship game, and even the All-Star games in January to preserve themselves for the draft. It worked out well for Fournette, fourth pick in the draft, for McCaffrey, eighth pick in the draft. Can't do much better than those guys did. It didn't hurt their stock at all, especially for a running back made a lot of sense. Now we see it from a defensive lineman to the point where you have an injury mid-season or early season keeping himself out. I guess the question comes to me is if you have a player like Bosa now going into a year where they know after the season he's going to be a top pick, are we going to get to a point where the player just says, no, I'm going to train for the draft. I'm not going to risk any injury. And that's where we wonder if that's going to be happening at all. Uh, to me, this Bosa thing makes, you know, that's an easy one. He's injured. He's not going to risk it in October, November and a bowl game. And he's going to go train for the draft, obviously. Not obviously, but that's a unique case. Now, what if Boza made this decision before being injured and made the decision in August? Are we going to see one of the two of those coming up? Because clearly players are starting to realize this. So I think this is the the, the, the running back situations from the past couple of years. This is kind of the tip of the iceberg. And will we get to a player like Bosa, like Jadavian Clowney was, where they say, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to play? And it will not, in my opinion, it's not going to do this to Bosa, not hurt their draft position. Don't tell me that Bosa is going to get picked lower because he's doing this. Or Jadavian Clowney, if he had sat out his senior year at South Carolina, or his final year, junior year, would he not have been picked number one? No, he would have. So these are the things that happen, and... I think we're just sort of seeing a trend. I think the Bosa is a trend that we're going to see going forward. Players consider what he's doing if they're hurt early season and say, no, that's enough. I think Miles Jack did this as well and sort of go for the draft or not even go into the season. Again, you'd have to have a player where it's consensus. Everyone thinks, okay, yeah, that guy's a top pick. doesn't have to be the top pick, but that guy's a top pick. And, in the same way, they pull out of all-star games, they pull out of uh, college bowl games, they pull out of uh, combine because it can't help them. Pull out of the season. Can't help them. Hire an agent. Get advice. Go through it all. Don't be bound by the pretenses of amateurism anymore. So that's where it's going. I think the Boza thing is really interesting. Um, and... You know, that's a key part of what's going on now in sports. It's uh, more and more people 
maybe thanks to people like me, are interested in the business side and understanding the element of risk that goes along with injury. And Bosa is a shining example of that. Now for a special part of the Business of Sports podcast, listener questions. You can leave your voicemail and I'll answer them on the Business of Sports podcast. First, a word from our sponsor, Under Armour. You know, you know, guys know that I train, I compete a lot in triathlons. I always use Under Armour. It's the best performance gear. And it's got two exciting new collections that I'm using. Vanish, which is more breathable. You feel lighter, less distracted. It's quick drying, won't chafe, stretches without absorbing sweat. And then they've got the Perpetual, which is crazy design, you know, can really help the design. It it hugs and flexes, better alignment, muscle awareness is terrific. And also the apps they have that help you track and learn how to put that gear to test. Using them, they work seamlessly, very easy to use. You track your runs, you log your workouts. It's UA's MyMap Run. You can sync other devices, Garmin, Apple Watch, even Under Armour's connected running shoes. Track your diet. UA's got MyFitnessPal. It's the fastest calorie counter app you can use. And if you sign up for premium, you can unlock even more tools to help you achieve your fitness goals. So download Under Armour's MapMyRun, MyFitnessPal, and the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Take control of your goals today. Under Armour, the best workout fitness gear out there. They've made me better. They'll make you the same. On to listener questions. Listen, you can leave your voicemail at 484-416-5654. I'll answer it here on the show. Here's the first one from Sean. Hey, Andrew. This is Sean from Seattle. Uh, I was just wondering if you could touch on the uh, recent Paul Allen death. I've read that the NFL has a mandatory succession uh, plan requirement for all owners, and I'm just wondering how that holds up legally or if that can change or um, if you could just expand on it because it's first time I ever heard of it. Probably a lot of other people haven't heard of it either. So love the podcast, man, especially the one with you and Amy Trask. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Sean. And I've talked about Paul Allen, my impressions of him at the start of this podcast. What a uh, fascinating and humble multi-billionaire that he was. And it's, it's a sad news. In terms of succession plan, we're already hearing that, you know, I think Jim Mersey talked about it today at the NFL meetings that there will be some kind of sale, and it will be important for the keep the team in Seattle. There doesn't seem to be a succession plan there. I think that's different for different situations. Frankly, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all succession plan in the NFL. There is when you talk about family ownership. So family ownership, uh, I guess, is about half NFL teams, maybe more, where you clearly have that set up when they uh, meet with the NFL offices. They know what's going on. Paul Allen would not be in that category. Who's in that category? Obviously, the Roonies in Pittsburgh, the Browns in Cincinnati, the Crafts in New England, the Bidwells in Arizona, the Yorks in San Francisco, the Davises in Oakland. You see it everywhere. The Cronkies uh, in L.A., the Spanoses in L.A., uh, so you're seeing this family ownership everywhere and with, with kids involved. Obviously, young people that um, are going to be passed on when the franchise moves along. In situations where you don't have that, where it appears not as clear about succession, I would think the NFL has notice and a good feeling about where this is going to go, but it may just be a straight sale. 
from the estate of Paul Allen to others. Uh, so this is going to be something interesting to watch. We're just in the beginning stages of it with the Paul Allen death happening this week. Uh, such tragic news out of the Pacific Northwest, losing the owner of the Trailblazers and the Seahawks in what appears to be sudden fashion, although he has been sick for quite a while. Thanks for the um, the question, Sean. Here's another question from Mike. Andrew, what's going on? This is Mike, and I have a question regarding the situation with the media covering contract situations with players and ownership. The media seems to always uh, side with the owners, and it drives me crazy when you have situations where Le'Veon Bell and others are holding out to try to get the best opportunity for themselves, and everyone just trashes them like as if they should just be the team player, but nobody ever recognizes that if the shoe's on the other foot and the player dips in performance, the owners have no qualms of cutting them. It drives me crazy when no one recognizes this when they trash players for yielding the only power that they have with uh, withholding their services. Please address this, Andrew. You're awesome. Keep it up. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mike. And it's certainly uh, now being part of the media. I see it even more clearly. And I was on player side for 10 years and management side for 10 years and now almost 10 years in media. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. It always strikes me, especially uh, in February and in August, when so many NFL players are just released. They're just released. You know, forget about the Levin Bell and the holdout situation. Talk about the hundreds of veterans and thousands of players overall that are just released, 99% of them, without future guarantees. So these are players that you just... You know, they've put in hard sweat and tears for their team. And in February, it's just before the season, they just teams decide, yeah, we're going to get rid of that number. So, you know, numbers like 10, 15, 20 million of future salaries just vanish. They go to dust. They're just not not guaranteed. As we know, NFL contracts are rarely guaranteed past the first couple of years where it's early low risk for the teams. Uh, And then in August, when thousands of players are released, again, very few, if any, having future guarantees. And you know what? The reaction usually is from teams and fan, I'm sorry, fans and media is, wow, how much cap room does that create? <laughs> you know, what can we do with that? And I get that teams want to get better and they want to add exciting players and it becomes kind of a fantasy draft kind of thing. But listen, these are careers. These are lives. And we're asking how much cap room it saves them. So it is kind of unfortunate. And yeah, you do see Le'Veon Bell and others kind of holding out and hoping their situation will change. Earl Thomas was stark, but it really doesn't. I mean, you know, the owners hold the power. And I think it's okay to understand that, but you don't have to side with them as well. So it's a good point for Mike. We live in a world where, for whatever reason, there's not an empathy and towards athletes and the money because they do make a lot of money and there's almost a resentment towards athletes that you don't see towards actors, musicians, stars in Hollywood and entertainment. But that's the way it happens. Mike, good question, good observation about way media and fans treat the management player uh, interactions favoring management over labor usually been a great podcast been some great questions feel free to leave them again 484-416-5654 i'll answer them here on the podcast like i just did with sean from seattle and mike from new york 
Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. You can see, you hear me on Amazon, Thursday Night Football, adding my insights to the streaming on Prime Video. You can read me at MMQB, my weekly column on the business of football. And I may be putting out my lectures where I teach every week at Villanova Law School, where I run a program called the Morad Center. Thanks to Brian Neal, my producer extraordinaire. Thanks for listening. You can hear it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Give us a good rating. Stitcher, tune in, RossTucker.com, wherever you're hearing this podcast. And I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.